0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week.
1: Take the quiz every weekday at the quiz.fox, and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.
2: Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
3: Oh, yes, it sure is. Baby boy, we are fired up coming to you live. From the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy-top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not lying his off. No, I'm not doing that. Uh, but the President of the United States, Joe Biden, absolutely is. So like it is. And we're going to get into it in this hour, because what I saw out of the White House yesterday... It's a problem, man. And I know we have other problems. It's like the border's out of control. Inflation's out of control. You can't pay for gas. And everybody jokes about Biden. You know, he's in his late hundreds. He doesn't know where he is half the time. Biden's lost his marbles. OK, we've all heard it about the whole the elevator doesn't go all the way to the top floor. OK, and pretty much everybody has the same opinion as my son Lincoln, which is. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. But him being in a situation where the engine's running is, and nobody's behind the wheel is not nearly as precarious for our country as the fact that, yo, this guy is just completely full of. It's shameless, and I'm sorry, a little profanity out of the gate. I know some of you listeners haven't even had your morning whiskey yet. But what I saw yesterday was disgusting, and I'll explain why. It's having a very adverse effect on the country. That's kind of the discussion off the tippy-top today, but we've got a lot to get into. Kaylee McEnany is going to be in the house, and, of course, that gets the crowd very excited. And we will, of course, also hear... We will also hear from Democratic strategist Jessica Tarloff.
2: That was the worst thing I ever heard.
3: Oh, stop it. We talk across the aisle on this show. It is a big boy, big girl, big they, big them. We say it every day. I don't care how you vote. I don't care what you think. I'm not an activist. I am just a talk show host. So you call in, you listen in, you ride along in your car. Whatever you happen to be doing, you can do it as a Republican. You can do it as a Democrat on the show. Just don't be a That is it. Don't be Joe Biden. Yo, I'm worked up about this one. And I'm in a good mood, man. It's a big Thursday. I just got off the TV with the Faulkner Focus. Jillian Turner was on the mic. Killed it. It was great. It was a lot of fun. I will be on uh, the Tucker Carlson show tonight. Tucker Carlson tonight. That's a big one for me. That's a big look for your radio, buddy. And when that's over, we are off to Fat Cats. We're going up to Utica. We'll be doing the show from WYBX tomorrow. We're even going to make an appearance on the Bill Keeler show and class that little radio meth lab up. But uh, we'll be up there, and uh, we're excited for all of it. I'm excited to meet everybody who comes out to the comedy club. Uh, The station, which was holding on to a few seats for, like, VIPs and stuff like that that they normally give away in contests, they have a few tickets left for the 915 shows tonight and tomorrow, and a handful, like two, for the 5 o'clock matinee show tomorrow. If you go to Fat Cats, K-A-T-Z, FatCatsComedyClub.com, you can come to the show. And we'll hang out afterwards. We're going to drink at the bar. It's going to be a whole to do. Again, this is our show. And if you're in a position to come out to one of these, whether it's this week at Fat Cats, whether it's two weeks from now up in Burlington, Vermont at the Spanked Puppy, uh, come come see the Fox Across America crowd. It's as exciting to see them, probably more exciting to see them than it is to see me because I'm just the same guy. Like you, re- you meet me in person and you're like, oh, this isn't like a character. This guy really is a hot mess. Just the way he sounds like on the radio. Just the way he looks like on TV. I hung out with him at the bar and he was still nuts. This is amazing. There's just there's one gear. In the Jimmy Fallon transition, but the gear I'm very interested in showing off, which is why I was so thrilled when we did three days of phone calls last week, is everybody who listens to the show is cool. You're reasonable. You're not like rooting against Joe Biden. You're rooting for the country, knowing you don't agree with most of his policies. So we don't have like a hate filled show that's cutting off its nose despite its face. But we have a president who is just lying. Day in and day out. And while it's cool to have this cool, reasonable crowd that's always bargaining in good faith, it's not cool to have a president who is devoid of shame. Okay, devoid of shame. And I start with the gas prices because that happens to be the key economic issue in this country. You can tell me inflation, but inflation's a thing for two reasons. Number one, the government can't stop spending money. But number two, the cost of fuel directly affects the cost of goods. So while you're going broke at the gas pump, you're also going broke at the grocery store. Because if it costs them more to ship, it's going to cost you more to buy.
2: He knows what he's talking about.
3: But Joe Biden did something yesterday, and it was just so disgusting to me. Okay, and it was very similar to to what he did on COVID. If you remember when he ran for president, Joe Biden, if you remember during the 2020 campaign, he ran against Donald Trump. I don't remember that ever happening. But he did, he ran against Donald Trump, and he said, I'm not gonna shut down the economy. I'm gonna shut down the virus. This guy will say anything. Literally anything, because when he got into office and the cases began to spike, what did Joe Biden say? The guy who told us, I'm not gonna shut down the economy, I'm gonna shut down the virus. He said, well, there's no federal solution to shutting down COVID. We just got to live with it.
2: That's just how white folks will do you.
3: And that's how they did us. Okay, he ran for president on I'll shut down the virus, mandated vaccines, masked up kids despite no scientific evidence backing their need to be masked. And when it still didn't work, when the states that remained open like Florida and Texas had better COVID numbers than the states that shut down like New York and California, what did Biden do? He threw up his hands and was like, oh, there's no solution. OK, same thing just happened with gas prices. There's a clip I've played on this show a lot back on March 31st. If you remember when he was re- releasing a million gallons a day, a million barrels of oil a day from our strategic oil reserves, he told us back then the price of gas was going to come down, maybe not right away, but it's going to come down and it's going to keep going down. Here's that clip. It's on March 31st. It's clip three.
4: My guess is we'll see it come down, continue to come down. Um, but how far down, I don't think anyone can tell. And there's going to be a slight delay, because if you go out there and you're a gas station and you purchased X amount of gas at a certain price, you're not going to lower the price of the pump until you're able to get back what you invested. And that I'm talking matter of, I think, you know, days and weeks. But it's hard to tell. And the other thing is exact, but it will come down and it could come down fairly significantly. It could come down better part of anything from $0.10 to $0.35 a gallon.
3: You were wrong. He was all the way wrong. Because since Biden began releasing our strategic oil reserves, the price of gas, it's up over $0.50 a gallon. That can't be good. No, no, it's really bad for multiple reasons. Number one, the strategic oil reserves are there in case we're at war, in case there's an act of God, Mother Nature, birthing person nature. If she renders us incapable of producing energy, we have a strategic oil reserve. Biden tapped into that because he was concerned about the rising prices and how they corresponded with his sinking poll numbers. So he was like, hey, I'll create the appearance that I'm doing something. And, uh, you know, everybody will forgive me and, uh, you know, we'll get on with this is that's what the deal is with politicians. Perception is more important than reality. If they can create the perception they're doing their job, they think you'll lo- overlook the reality that they're screwing you over completely. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. But understand, since we hurt Our oil supply, our strategic oil supply, the price of gas has gone up. Now, I just played you the clip of him on the day he did it, saying the prices will ultimately fall significantly. Maybe not right away. It'll take a few weeks, but you'll see, you know, significant 10, 20 cents a gallon. Yo, it went the other way. Okay, now you knew that. We've been talking about that for weeks, that he was wrong about that. But understand what he said yesterday is, well, there's nothing I can do about the price of gas. It's actually never going to come down, and neither is food. Here it is, clip one.
4: We can't take immediate action that I'm aware of yet to figure out how we bring down the price of gasoline back to $3 a gallon. And we can't do that immediately with regard to food prices either. We're in a situation where, you know, because of a war in, uh, in Ukraine, gas prices and food prices are extremely high.
3: Yo, are you listening to this guy, Joe Biden? I mean, really? You're alive! Really think about that. No, there's nothing we could do. He actually did something, told us it would work. It didn't work. Now we want you to pretend it's not even a thing. It's just Putin's price hike. There's a war going on in Ukraine. Folks, again, I don't sit here and root against the president for a living. I don't do that kind of radio show. I find them to be one note. I find them to be boring. And I just find them to inject so much bile and hostility into people's lives. That's why I'm always over here disparaging myself and playing silly songs and you hear from my son all the time. I want the show to be a force multiplier of positive energy. It's three hours out of your workday where you're kind of in a good mood even if the issues of the day put you in a bad one. That's the approach to the show. I mean that's it. I've given you the recipe. Okay, if you're another host listening in and you want to try to blueprint it, I mean do it. I don't even care. It wouldn't even bother me. Rip it off. Just, you know, let's make radio cool again. Imagine that instead of a bunch of old... Guys yelling, Rah! you know, I don't want to do that show. But the point is, when you talk about Biden, there's no way around the fact that he just lies so shamelessly. Okay, and his new White House press secretary isn't better. This is Corinne Jean Pierre flat out telling you again, oh, it's Putin's price hike. Here it is, clip five. The Treasury Secretary says that she was wrong, but the White House was not wrong.
1: The president has consistently noted that the primary drivers of inflation are the pandemic and Putin's invasion of Ukraine. The twists and turns of both these monumental events have affected energy prices and also food prices that we have seen these past several months. This is Putin's price hike, which the president refers to, and that is what Secretary Yellen was referring to. If you, if you read the entire transcript, and that's what I'm, I'm trying to say to you.
3: She's worse than Kamala. I mean, it's it's that bad. Really think about that. Putin's price hike. It's Putin's price hike. Just understand it's Putin's price hike. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Yo, this is embarrassing. The price of gas, just so we're clear, was going up for 14 months in a row before Vladimir Putin got involved. Bingo. Okay, 14 months in a row. It's not Putin's price hike. It's Biden's price hike. What Putin's doing has had an adverse effect on prices since then, but only because we're no longer energy independent. When the president says there's nothing he can do, it doesn't mean there aren't solutions. It means there aren't solutions that the people in charge of this country will actually let him enact. I agree with that. That's the truth. The solution is boost production. You boost production like crazy under our soil. The solution's right under our feet here in this country. But this guy ran for president by declaring war war on the fossil fuel industry because he had to curry favor with the radical left wing of uh, the environmental wing of his party. They wanted a Bernie Sanders presidency. And the only way they were going to vote for Biden is if he was going to enact Bernie Sanders policies. Well, lo and behold, he did. And here we are. So what are we doing instead of ramping up production, which is the solution? We're trying to get more production. We're begging OPEC. Biden's talking about visiting Saudi Arabia. We're trying to buy it off Venezuela. What do every one of these countries have in common, though, in terms of environmentalism and cleaning up the environment and lowering a carbon footprint and emissions and everything in between? Every single one of these countries produces oil in a far filthier manner than the United States of America. Every single one of them. So all we're really doing, this is you understand the fraud of environmentalism. You know, we talk about, oh, everybody tells you to reduce their carbon footprint. Then they fly off in a private jet. That's true. And it's why people don't take them seriously, because they're not subjecting themselves to the same lifestyle changes they're espousing for the rest of us. So that is where they undermine their credibility. But the real fraud that we're talking about here is the U.S. wants to be a leader in the world. So we're not going to produce as much oil anymore. We're just going to go out and buy it from countries that make it far dirtier than we do. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Think about that for a second, okay? It's what the mafia does. I don't want to get my hands dirty. I could go to jail if I kill this guy. So I'm just going to write a check. I'll have him bumped off. You know that little thing we talked about? It's done. Remember I told you to shove that guy off a bridge. If you see him taking a selfie, looks the other way, it's done. Okay, that's what we're dealing with here. We're still consuming as much oil as we always have, if not more. We're just getting it in a filthier manner. Do you understand? We have people in charge of the country that are idiots, okay? These are stupid people. They don't see the logic. They don't see the reason. And the horror of it all, okay, is they're being led, on paper anyway, by a president who's just a shameless liar, okay? And they keep demonstrating this indifference to your plight. You're suffering right now. And all they're saying are things like, Putin's price hike. Because they think it will help them down the road when the midterms come around. Don't be so mad at this guy, okay, because it's really Putin's fault. And if you buy that, you know, you're an idiot. You're stupid. I'm sorry I can't help you. Believe me, I do plenty of stupid things. You've seen the clothes I wear on TV, so don't think I'm disparaging you. It's just a statement of fact that you're stupid if you believe Joe Biden. But the issue he's running into now is, oh, Putin's price hike. There's nothing we could do. Never mind that we said there was something we could do March 31st. Never mind that we debilitated our strategic oil reserves. There's nothing we can do. So when you get to the polls in November, remember, there's nothing we can do. The only problem with Biden's strategy, there's two of them. One is he's completely full of it with that explanation. Two, at this point, people aren't going to be able to get to the cars, uh, to the polls anyway, because they're not going to be able to fill their car to drive down there.
5: Bought some gas at the station near me. Twenty gallons at 450 i fifteen. I'm gonna be homeless. The price is obscene, and they won't let Biden intervene. Baby, I can't fill my car. Guess I'm gonna walk real far. Baby, I can't fill my car And baby, I'm so screwed I told the girl that the prices ain't good And she said, baby, my neighborhood They sell a gallon at four eighty-nine, So I will hitchhike again this time Baby, I can't fill my car I'm going to walk real far. Baby, I can't fill my car. And baby, I'm so screwed. Not cheap, 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 no.
2: You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive
0: deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you
3: download podcasts. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon on a busy Thursday. Kaylee McEnany is going to be here. Oklahoma Congressman Mark Wayne Mullen in the house as well. We'll also hear from Jessica Tarlov. But right now, opening the show out in Addison County, Vermont, Gary is on the line. Yo, Gary. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, man. Look forward to you coming here.
6: But, you know, in Biden's mind, <laughs> he did reduce the price of gas when he released oil from the National Reserve. You're probably <laughs> wondering how he did that. Uh huh. Well, how many times have you heard a Democrat claim that reducing the rate of increase was actually a spending cut? <laughs> Same principle applies. Ga- gasoline would have gone up four dollars a gallon instead of three dollars and ninety nine cents. <laughs> I did not release that oil, so it's he reduced the price of gasoline.
3: Gary, you know that old joke about fights where like someone shows up with like two black eyes and a cut nose, and he's like, "You should see the other guy." Yeah, that's right. That's where we're at with Washington <laughs> accounting. You're like, sir, it's five thirty-five a gallon. You should see the other pumps. I mean, come yeah. on, man. <laughs> Gary, I'm going to be hitchhiking up to Burlington in two weeks. I, you might have to pick me up halfway somewhere in Connecticut.
6: Well, just remember, you'll be safe if you come with a Prius or, short of that, a Subaru.
3: <laughs> Are you telling me my gas-guzzling Ford Broncos not going to get the welcome mat when I pull into town? Uh, not when you go through Burlington, it won't know. So, <laughs> All just, right, well, uh, just be careful. Be careful in that town, you're safe until you get to Chittenden County. <laughs> well, in that case, I'll keep the roof on because I wouldn't want to get hit with a macrobiotic free range egg. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you got to be careful up there, Gary. Uh, listen, great call. If, you, right. if you're coming out to the Spank Puppy, uh, I look forward to meeting you, man. All right. Uh, Rock and roll. Have fun. See you in two weeks, Gary. Let's get him. There he goes, the great Gary. We'll get to more of your calls in a little bit. But that is a true story. We're going up to Vermont in two weeks. Two weeks. It is Friday, June the 17th. We'll be doing the show live from WVMT. And then we're taking our talents over to a place called The Spanked Puppy. What the hell did you just say? I know. It sounds like something my producer gets called down to HR for. But it is, in fact, the name of an establishment. And we will be there raising holy hell, as the Fox Across America team always does. Quick break. We're going to come back with more of your calls. And we've got some more sound from Corinne Jean Pierre. What an idiot. I mean, none bigger. We'll get into it after this on Fox Across America. Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Big Thursday episode of the show. When we wrap up tonight, I'm doing the Tucker Carlson show, and then I'm off to Utica. I will be at Fat Cats Comedy Club this weekend. If you're listening on WIBX, anything up in that area, uh, there are a handful of tickets left uh, for the stand-up shows. They're all be, they'll all be sold out uh, by tomorrow. So if you're in the area, you want to get tickets. The window is closing. It's Fat Cats, K A T Z. ComedyClub.com. Don't even come to see me and my team. Come to see your fellow Fox Across America listeners. They are the coolest people in the world. And it's – honestly, I know I've been raving about this for weeks, but even when I'm sitting there on Facebook, returning all my messages. If you go to the Fox Across America Facebook page, I am so blown away by how funny everybody is, how cool everybody is. And honestly, guys, like we're making a difference. Like you can – there is an actual sea change going on in the country now where the outrage crowd has kind of lost their power. People are more emboldened to say what they believe. You know, a good example of that would be the thing I discussed in America's Newsroom yesterday. Leah Thomas, the transgender swimmer, is now finally getting a lot of pushback about the fact that she's competing in women's sports with a clear biological difference.
5: Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina.
3: But as recently as six months ago, even, excuse me, three months ago, you would have been thrown off of Twitter for saying there were biological differences between men and women. Because the left was out there and they were winning the culture war. The people in charge of our culture are emotionally stunted and weird. But they're no longer winning it. People now feel empowered to say what they believe to be true. Because we've all identified the grievance mob, the outrage mob for what they are. Which, if we're being honest, is a bunch of losers. the mundo. Okay, they're selling incentivized victimhood. They're saying anybody who doesn't agree with them is a transphobe, is a homophobe, is a monster, when in fact all we really want to do is just discuss the science and have an honest conversation. And the truth is the people on our side, the people who listen to the show, the people on the right who are sensible, bargaining, and good faith adults in the room, they have turned the tide in our society. You don't hear people getting canceled for jokes anymore because we realize these people suck. OK, we have taken back ever so slightly the power from the woke wing of the country. Everything woke turns to. Now, that being said, like this coming midterm election and I'm not an activist, I say this every day. But this coming midterm election for the Democratic Party is really pivotal because it's going to take just an absolute bloodbath at the polls. I mean, voting bloodbath. I am not encouraging violence. Don't no, Fox guy, listen to the rhetoric. I'm not doing that. But it's going to take an out-and-out rejection of the far left wing of the Democratic Party for the little kids in the party to lose their power. Because right now what's happened to the Democrats is the game changed. The party's led by a lot of dinosaurs, okay? You got Joe Biden who's in his late hundreds. You know, Nancy Pelosi, my God, I've seen younger faces on money. And obviously, you know, she's been running the country about about as well as her husband's been running his car. But what happened is they were the establishment power brokers in the party, but they do get pushed around now by the younger, more vocal and visible members of the party. You know, the Ilhan Omar's of the world, the AOC's of the world. AOC is a dope. Okay, because that young vocal minority within the party, they've been the one weaponizing grievance. You you're a misogynist, you're homophobic, you're racist. This was never the Pelosi playbook. Nancy Pelosi wasn't actually the woman 10 years ago that after the death of George Floyd would have actually donned African Kente cloths and a hat and knelt inside the Capitol. That was embarrassing. But she became a full-blown racial panderer because the younger wing of the party hijacked the party. Now, if the younger wing gets smoked in the midterms, the party has no choice but to pivot away from this woke garbage and start engaging conservatives on the idea battlefield. Not on the who we can call a racist battlefield, but the idea battlefield where we can actually discuss solutions to our problems instead of defending everybody against pretend charges of racism and discrimination. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. Because you have to understand, man, this was an effective strategy for a long time, but we're in a bad spot now. Okay, because we spent so much time focusing on pretend problems, you know, pretend racism. How dare you secure the border? That's racist. Really? Because both parties voted for border wall funding two times. So when did it become racist? You know what I mean? But that's what they do. And because we've wound up in that position, how dare you support the police? They're racist. Really? Do you have any facts on the police being racist? Put up or shut up. No, they don't have any. And ultimately defunding police, as they did in major municipalities like New York and Los Angeles and Chicago, what did it lead to? A massive spike in crime, in actual death, for who? The black community. It's disgusting what they've done by weaponizing race and grievance. But the end result of this has been four or five years of us taking our eye off the ball and not appreciating the substantive gains that we achieved under Donald Trump. But we're now realizing the actual tangible losses and the, you know, overwhelming compromise to the quality of life we're experiencing under this president right now. Biden sucks. He really does. And even Jamie Dimon, who is uh, Jamie Diamond anyway, who's the CEO of JPMorgan Chase, he's the CEO, flat out said, OK, we're getting ready for an economic hurricane in this country. Do you understand? OK, because a, a confluence of events between the runaway you know, sp- spending, the mismanagement by the Fed. Okay? We're on teetering on the brink of a recession. Okay? We're all- already dealing with inflation. We're already dealing with crushing gas prices. They've really mismanaged the country. Here it is, clip seven.
7: Look, I'm an optimist. You know, I, I, I said there are storm clouds. There are big storm clouds. There are, it's a hurricane. It's, we, right now, it's kind of sunny. Things are doing fine. You know, everyone thinks the, the Fed can handle this. That hurricane is right out there down the road coming our way. We just don't know if it's a minor one or Superstorm Sandy or, uh, yeah, Sandy or, or uh, Andrew or something like that. And it's, you, you better brace yourself.
3: This could be a problem. Okay. It's a CP, CEO of JP Morgan, Chase. Okay. Flat out telling you that the woke way of doing things. Here's the rest of his clips as we're confused between hugging trees and lending money. It's clip eight.
7: We're quite serious about climate. I don't think America's getting climate right. I think the chances of getting it right is virtually nil. I don't think we remotely understand the complexity of this. And we, we can't turn on electricity from hydroelectric powers, much less, and then we're going to reduce oil and gas, which is going to cause more CO2. And, you know, we're just, we're, just, we're not getting it right. Because it's an uncoordinated, we're confused between tr- hugging trees and, and yelling at uh, lending. And it's just way off base. There's no... We need real leadership in this area, and we're not getting it.
3: And we're not getting it. That's the bottom line. Okay, and when you say the word climate change, anybody, just shut up. Nobody cares. Okay, here, I, I really want you to understand how out of touch the climate people are. Climate change is a luxury. It's a luxury item. Okay, if you cannot afford goods, if you don't feel safe going to the store on the rare day, you can afford them. If it's costing you 150 bucks, it cost me 150 bucks to fill up my Bronco. You know what the price of gas was? They didn't even list it. They just played sound effects. Each time you asked, you're like, what's the, what's the, what's the 93 gallon, you know, octane going for? And the guy was just like, ah, no! Oh, no, no. Wouldn't even give me a price. He just started screaming and ran away. Save yourself. Okay, when this is the reality, there's a shortage of baby formula in our country right now. Babies don't have food. You understand? People can't fill up their gas tank. People can't buy goods. The murder rate is at a 32 year high. You understand? Okay, we're not worried about the weather in 50 years. Okay, the people who were wrong about the pandemic, they were wrong about covid every other week, tell you the science is settled. No, it's settled on the environment. It's understand. We know we I know the covid science changed every Tuesday and Thursday. Okay, but when it comes to the environment, the science is settled.
2: Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here.
3: Understand that. Science is never settled. The whole point of science is to question everything again and again and again. But when we're in this place where we have people in charge at a time when the country is getting crushed, pushing climate change, it, nobody cares. Nobody cares. If you have the luxury of flying around the world in a private jet, you care because it's a branding exercise. You feel less guilty. About the fact that you're doing more damage to the environment than anybody you're scolding. Understand, John Kerry, every time he flies in a private jet, the carbon footprint is 24 times the size of a commercial jet. The private jet's carbon footprint is 24 times the size of the commercial jet. So he's doing more to pollute the environment and flying different places every day than you could in 100,000 lifetimes. But yet they're out there lecturing you about climate because it makes them feel less guilty and also because, lo and behold, it's a grift. People are making a lot of money, a lot of money off lecturing you about climate change. You know who's making the most money lecturing you about climate change? China. That's true. That is true. Because China is building all of the products and all of the infrastructure that we'll actually use to make more green energy here in this country. But is China actually curbing their own emissions? No, they don't care about climate change. I think it's hilarious. It's something they get rich selling to Americans. Meanwhile, they're opening up coal plants left and right. That's all they do. They're opening up a dozen new coal plants a week, which we're to believe is the worst thing you could ever do to the environment. And they're getting rich on the side selling it to, selling us, you know, green energy infrastructure. Pretending, you know, we're, we're out here pretending we care. It's absurd. We all share the planet. Do you understand? If only one of us is truly cutting emissions. I've made the analogy a hundred times. Okay, look at Earth like a planet. We're all sharing the same pool. Okay, even though America has decided we have a no-peeing section, we're still sharing the water with the people peeing on their end. <laughs> But I know, and it's very basic, you know, that analogy, but it's true. That's what's going on. So even when you hear a guy like Jamie Dimon saying, well, you know, they've mismanaged the economy and we've got to choose between climate and everything else, just shut up about climate. Nobody cares, okay? Nobody cares about what the weather's going to be like in 50 years or 100 years, okay, because they're faced with too many challenges right now, number one. Number two, We have had climate gloom and doom. The world's going to end predictions. The world is going to end in 10 years, every year going back to 1970. In 1970, it was going to be an ice age. We were going to get a second ice age. Everything was going to be frozen. That was it. You were done. Unless you were a penguin, good luck getting by because in 10 years we're frozen. And then along came what? And it was global warming. No, no, everything's getting hot. No ice age. We went from we're going to freeze to death to we're going to burn to death. Think about that. The environmental wing went from, no, no, we're all going to freeze to, hey, hey, 10 years till we all burn. They're crazy. But the one thing all of those crazy people got along the way was rich. Okay, they made a lot of money, and they kept selling gloom and doom. Do you remember when AOC told us, we've got 10 years to, oh, we got 10 years. Yo, Al Gore won an Oscar for his documentary, An Inconvenient Truth. Do you remember that? He won an Oscar in 2006. With the premise that the world was going to end in 2016 if we didn't do something then, not only about global warming, but about what ultimately became climate chaos. You know, what warming went away. When the science refuted their claim that we were going to melt, it went into, well, the weather's changing all the time. Yeah, that's what weather does. And we've all seen it. Uh, believe me. I see weird weather now in the spring here in New York that I didn't used to see. But you know who else saw weird weather you know, every 10 or 20 years? Everybody who's ever lived on this planet. The weather changes constantly constantly, every day. What is the running joke? Ah, oh, weatherman's the only job where you can be wrong all the time and still keep your gig. Now, that's not technically true because Joe Biden still has his gig and he's wrong all the time. Come on, man. But the point is, the running joke is the weather always changes, the weatherman's always wrong, yet they want you to believe. Not all the climate, though. We know what the weather's going to be in 50 years. We don't know what it's going to be tomorrow. We don't know what it's going to be Friday. But we know what it's going to be 50 years from today. Come on.
5: Don't oh. bullshit.
3: But when you start saying things like that and forcing real tangible change on people at the expense of their own standard of living with no regard, okay, for changing your own, number one, it's why people don't buy in, okay, but number two, it just demonstrates such a sociopathic indifference to this moment, to now. Yo, this moment is unprecedented. You hear it so much on the show that it's easy to take for granted. How foreign what we're living in happens to be to the American way of life. We have a 40-year high in inflation. We have an all-time high in gas prices. Either one of these things would be catastrophically bad. Tie in a porous border that has given us an all-time high in fentanyl poisoning deaths. Tack that on, okay? Babies don't have food right now. Tack that on. Their murder rate's up at a 32-year high. Tack that on. By the way, we just left Afghanistan, pulled the troops out before the civilians, and left the terror group we went there to defeat in charge of the government, armed with $85 billion of our weapons. And they came home and told us it was a success. Democrats are so full of crap. You understand how unprecedentedly bad this is. At a time when, again, I want Ukraine to get out of this in one piece— But we're sending $40 billion to Ukraine and we have nothing in this country. What we're living in is unprecedented because we've never had an administration that made the American citizens take a back seat in real time to everything else they cared about down the road.
1: Welcome to the Biden administration, home to the new slogan, America last.
2: The critics have spoken.
1: It's a mess. It's a mess.
2: This is Fox Across America.
3: It's the war movie that's got critics praising its inclusiveness. Introducing Woke Metal Jacket.
0: I am Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, your senior drill instructor.
3: The Pentagon is tired of having nothing but tough men in the Marine Corps. You gotta be s me, Joker. So they're relaxing standards to make it easier for other types of soldiers. Sound off like you got a pair. Any military can focus on hurting their enemies, but only the American military can focus on hurt feelings.
5: Are you shook up? Are you nervous?
3: Woke metal jacket. Good night, ladies. Now playing in Washington and coming soon to a losing war near you. Oh, it is so true. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I was just on TV with Jillian Turner. She was hosting the Faulkner Focus. And we were talking about a meme from the U.S. Marine Corps that is just getting roundly clobbered on social media because they took the helmet from Full Metal Jacket that said Born to Kill and they turned it into a Pride Month gesture with rainbow-colored bullets on the helmet. okay. And made it a symbol of inclusion in our Marine Corps. What the hell is the world coming to? I don't know about the, the world, but the Marine Corps, the United States military, is kind of coming to an end. Like, yo, the Marines, okay, the armed forces, their job is to kill. Their job is not inclusion because war is the most inclusion, inclusive exercise in the world. You'll never be on a battlefield and have the luxury of excluding your fellow man, woman, they or them. OK, you're counting on them to save your life. There's no room for discrimination on a battlefield. But this idea that we're prioritizing things like inclusion at a time when other countries are setting off hypersonic missiles and all kinds of doomsday technology designed to wipe us out. And, you know, we're catering to the most fragile, fringe people you've ever met. Like, seriously, what's next? Are we going to have tanks that have a hate has no home here sticker on the back? <laughs> a little bumper sticker. Hate has no home here. That's what we're raising. Five years now, we're going to have a military that's like, oh, my gosh, ISIS called me an infidel. I am not fighting today. Like, that's not the Marines job. The Marines job is to kill And I'm just telling you, we have changed priorities at the top of this country in a way that ain't good.
4: We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They just, they're not respecting our country the way they used to.
3: I mean, how could they? This is embarrassing. Okay, again, happy Pride Month, I'm all for it. But the battlefield, okay, is not a place for pride. The battlefield is a place to wage holy hell on our enemy.
2: Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fala.
3: Oh, you bet it is. It's the high-flying, death-defying Fox Across America with Jimmy Fala. Fastest-growing radio show in the country. That is a statement of fact. It has nothing to do with me and everything to do with you. This is an audio-safe space for cool people. And there are a lot of you out there who can discuss the issues of the day without canceling on someone or turning into a fat, spoiled child at their birthday party. Mom! I don't agree with him. Get him out of here. We don't do that on this show. All are welcome. It is an all skate. And in this hour, we will skate with the great Kaylee McEnany, a former White House press secretary who, of course, left with President Trump, was succeeded uh, by Jen Psaki. Psaki sucks. Kaylee was so much better. A lot of people feel that way. But today is not about Jen Psaki. It is about Corinne Jean-Pierre, her replacement, who I got to be honest with you, is making a mess out of that podium and uh, not only making a mess out of the podium, but undermining the faith of the American people in this administration. We're going to discuss it in this hour at 888-788-9910. These are unprecedented times as we get underway in this hour. We're dealing with. A nationwide shortage of baby formula. And again, baby formula. I know a lot of you don't have babies, but this is a still a very near and dear story to our heart because a lot of the people who work in radio like me, we look like we're about to have a baby. Put that cookie down now! Okay, but the point is baby formula. We've never lived in an America that didn't come through for its babies. But that's where we are right now. And that's horrifying. And the explanations we're getting out of the White House are equally scary. Because we found out yesterday that the White House had really been briefed by a whistleblower as early as September. By February, when the Abbott plant was shutting down and they knew we were dealing with a full-on shortage. They want you to believe that they were hard at work on the case. It's
7: nothing more than white noise coming
3: from the White House. But I bring that up. Why? Because Joe Biden wasn't ultimately briefed on any of this, according to the White House, till the end of April, beginning of May. Do you understand? So if this happened in September, they supposedly started working on it in February, but they didn't actually brief the president till late April or the first week of May. That either means, well, one, they're lying, or two, they're going over the president's head because he's really Not in charge. Okay, here's the explanation from the White House. I want to play this for you because this is crazy, man. It's crazy that we don't have the formula. We're airlifting formula from other parts of the world. Like, look at us. We're heroic. No, no. Heroic is not turning our country into a laughingstock where the richest, most prosperous country in the world is depending on other countries to feed our babies. Okay, that's embarrassing. You know, I'm glad they're working on a solution, but it's a problem we never should have been in. And when you hear the explanations, this is crazy. Biden flat out says, "Okay, he became aware of the shortage in early May, uh, excuse me, early April, wasn't briefed right away. He couldn't brace the impact. And even though the advisors did, he didn't. It's really damning stuff out of him. But then when you hear the answer from Corinne Jean-Pierre, which is, in fact, a non-answer, you really start to get the feeling of how this place is run. Which is just—I don't know—blame somebody else. Don't give him straight truth. They're in a panic mode, and I don't enjoy that, man. This is not that show. I don't get on the air and like, hey, let's get mad at Democrats today, dude. In a perfect world, are you stop it. I would talk to you about like food, video games. You know, probably a lot of Elvis. I like Elvis a little too much. Like at this point, <laughs> at this point, I look like Elvis in the last three weeks of his life. You're
5: killing yourself the way you eat. Y'all fat. F- Look at you.
3: I mean, really, though, I should be walking around in rhinestone jumpsuits, although it'd be a little bit toned down compared to what I wear on Gutfeld. The point is, OK, I don't want to be sitting here hooting and howling about how bad things are in the country. But you got to play the teams on the schedule when it comes to talk radio. And unfortunately, every day since this jackass got into office, it has been one problem after another. But I mean problems of our own making. Okay, the border was not a problem when he took office. It was secure. We had cut illegal border crossings by 80%. We didn't have 107,000 fentanyl overdose deaths the previous year. We do now because the border's open. Okay, inflation wasn't anywhere close to the rate it's at now. Not even seven points ago, okay, is where inflation was when Biden took office. Price of gas was $2 a gallon cheaper when Biden took office. What made gas go up? Biden's actions on energy. Okay, what made inflation go up? Biden's print and spend economics. What made fentanyl overdose deaths go up? Biden's new border policies. All of these things are a crisis of his making, and they've put so much emphasis into blaming other people. What did he say about the baby formula shortage last week? Well, I'd have to be a mind reader to have known this was going to be a problem. What, what, but really though? Because if you were briefed on it, you know, even by his standards, in April he's going to tell you early April in the clip I'm about to play you. Okay, we didn't hit the shortage till the middle of May. So what are we really talking about here other than they don't want to take responsibility? They're overwhelmed by the amount of problems that they have caused. And we're really witnessing people. It's fascinating on this high of a level that are in an actual tailspin. Okay, and I say that like I've been in tailspins in life. Like I'm sure you all have where you just can't do anything right. Some of it's your fault. Some of it's just, you know, a bad, you know, confluence of events where a couple of things went wrong that weren't your fault. A couple of financial hardships like you got a flat or your engine blew and you're in the hole financially. And now the pressure of being in the hole financially, you know, led you to make some other dumb financial decisions that were influenced by the pressure you felt. Now you're in a real pickle. You know, we've been in that position except we're usually doing it with our lives or us, the family we're raising. The Biden administration is in that tailspin on behalf of an entire country. And it's really, it's fascinating to watch, but it's also in part terrifying because the people running this country right now, and I'm going to play the clips to prove it, we're being led, not by actual politicians or elected officials, this is like there should be a tent, just a straight tent over the White House, because everybody in it right now is just a clown. <coughs> Here's Biden explaining the baby formula situation. It's clip 12.
4: The shortage of baby formula is due to the closure back in February of one of Abbott's infant formula plants. We need to take immediate action to stop contempt. We needed to take immediate action to stop contaminate, contaminated formula from hitting store shelves and putting American children at risk. I became aware of this problem sometime in after April in early April about how intense it was. Oh
3: man!
5: What in the wide wide world of sports is going on here?
3: Think about this: shortage of baby formula due to the closure back in February. In February. I became aware of the problem sometime in after April. Yo, crisis happened in February. We were alerted in February, but I was alerted sometime in April. Like, yo, so who's in charge would be a fair question to ask, number one. Number two, he doesn't realize that he's implicating himself and he's implicating his entire administration when you allow that big of a gap in terms of, number one, them addressing the problem, number two, him being dealt in on it. But here's more Biden saying he could not have anticipated the impact of losing the baby formula fact facility. Here's clip 13. The
4: question you. is whether or not there was a – this could have been moved quicker. Why didn't Jack sooner? Um, well, I don't think anyone anticipated the impact of the shutdown of one facility – uh, in uh, uh, in the, the, the Abbott facility, and so once we learned of the extent of it and how broad it was, we kicked everything into gear, and I think we're uh, I think we're on the way to be able to completely solve the problem.
2: you were
3: lying your ass off. But here is Biden, and it's not great audio, admitting he didn't understand the impact of the shortage. Clip 14. Yes. Did you hear that? Did anyone, you know, explain to you the severity? Did they understand the severity, the impact that the shortage would have? Biden said they did, but I didn't. Get him out of here. Get him out. So this is a president admitting in a moment of rare candor that he didn't understand the impact it would have on babies to shut down a baby formula Factory, one of the three biggest in the country. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. I mean, if time was you could shut down one of the three biggest producers, you wouldn't have an issue. Wait, what? I mean, in what world do you not know that's going to be an issue? But here is Corinne Jean Pierre being asked why Biden didn't know about the formula shortage until April. This is fascinating stuff. A FASCINATING ANSWER, IF ONLY BECAUSE SHE DOESN'T GIVE YOU AN ANSWER. HERE IT IS, CLIP 15.
1: THE PRESIDENT SAYS HE DIDN'T UNDERSTAND HOW BAD THE ISSUE WAS UNTIL APRIL. SO IS IT THAT YOU WERE WORKING AROUND THE CLOCK? Since February to address this serious problem, but the but the president didn't know. Just just want to be clear about that. So the White House has been working uh, with uh, with uh, with the across government uh, to make sure since day one of the recall to do everything that we can. So then perhaps the president wasn't aware of the work that was going on around the clock since February to address well, the issue. But... I mean the president has multi- multiple issues c- crises at the moment. Girl, please stop talking right now.
3: But she didn't stop talking. Here she is getting pressed again on why the president wasn't. If they started working on this day one and understand they didn't start working on this day one. Because last Friday, I played you a clip of Karine Jean Pierre on Air Force One. She was asked who's in charge of the baby formula task force. And she said, I don't have a name on that yet. Ha ha ha. And if she didn't have a name on that yet, that meant there wasn't one. But here's a little more of the Q&A. It's clip 16.
0: The president said that he wasn't informed about that until April uh, and then waited a full month to invoke the Defense Production Act. What is the reason for the
3: disconnect there, and is he going to hold anyone accountable?
1: So we have been working on this issue since day one of the recall. Uh, The recall happened on February 17th. On February 18th, USDA issued detailed guidance to states on how to seek waivers in their WIC WIC programs. We know directly from companies this is one of the most important areas for action to be taken from the government. And and this month uh, we are building on that work uh, with last week's uh, announcement urging uh, states to cut all WIC red tape.
3: So here she is now again. We're cutting tape. We're doing stuff. Yo, this is embarrassing. This is America. We ran out of baby formula in America. I mean, really think about what the rest of the world is witnessing right now. People are always like, oh, what is the rest of the world saying with Trump tweeting all these mean things? Dude, honestly, I'm sure a lot of them were like, wow, this is a little nuts. Not going to lie. But we had full babies. We had a secure border. We didn't have inflation. We could fill up our gas tanks. You see, when it comes to superficial stuff, you know, the Democrats are a party of what you say is more important than what you do. Which is why Corinne Jean-Pierre thinks she gave a good answer there. She didn't explain why they waited so long to act. She just told you, well, this, we're cutting tape. We got the WIC program. You know, we're working across government. But she didn't actually answer the question. But she thinks, you know, well, what I said was the right thing. We're doing this. We're doing that. But that, that's what she's saying. It's not actually what they're doing. And here's more of it because she's asked again why the president didn't know if he's the president. It's clip 17
1: we did everything that we can from the moment uh, that we learned about the recall uh, to 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 work 24 7 to to make sure that the production went up I, i guess that just doesn't address the question of why it was that the president didn't know when the manufacturers are saying that they knew as soon as the recalls happened as soon as the plant was shut down that this would be a very serious problem was there a breakdown in the process here did somebody fail to inform him look i have not spoken to the president i know that he just said that uh a few moments ago uh so i would have to uh i would have to talk to him about about the april date
3: you don't have a clue and here's one more for the road clip 18.
1: i was in my office. I did not actually hear what the president said. I do not like to speak on something without without comments, having a conversation with the president first.
3: Uh, get her out. Get her out of here. Folks, we're going to talk to an actual White House press secretary in about 12 minutes on this show. Kaylee McEnany is going to join me in studio, and we'll talk about just how farcical these explanations are, never mind that the explanations are farcical, understand the concept of a Donald Trump administration, of a Barack Obama administration, of a George W. Bush administration, even a Bill Clinton administration. OK, anybody, Republican or Democrat, this idea that we're dealing with a, a crisis as catastrophic as a lack of baby formula. And this White House is telling you with a straight face that they didn't brief the president on it for the first three months of the crisis. OK, yes, that either speaks to the fact that Joe Biden isn't actually in charge on any level or that everybody inside of this White House, including him, is completely and totally full of.
2: The show that's standing up to big tech.
5: Get those nerds. Nerds. nerds!
2: You're listening to Fox Across America.
3: Oh yeah, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Going to be rapping with the great Kaylee McEnany here in a minute, and the thing I really want to talk to her about is the fact that it's not normal. It is not normal for a White House to say, "Ah, oh, we've got this major crisis." Don't worry about the president. We'll handle it ourselves. Yo, that really does make you think the guy in charge is not actually in charge. We have a president that is clearly not all there. Okay, when they're handling a crisis without him. Okay, she says we were working on this 24-7, which I don't believe to be true. But understand that a whistleblower alerted them in September. They want you to believe they started working on it in February. Biden, by his own admission, didn't find out about it till late April. Now, there was one world where Biden could be lying and saying that so he's not as responsible. But would any self-respecting person actually admit that as the president of the United States, they're running the place without him? I think he's got a point. I mean, have some pride. I don't think that's a lie. I think that's a frank admission of what's going on in this country, which is you have kind of a shadow president. It's bizarre, but it makes sense because the country is such a mess, and you don't wind up in this position because of strong leadership. You wind up in this position because of a lack thereof. When you're right, you're right. and You're right. And that's what we're dealing with here. When we're talking about gas, a strong leader knows, hey, I know you guys like the environment and all, but we got to boost production. That's what a strong leader does. Shut up, kids. We're turning this car around. If everybody's nice, we can get back to saving the environment in a few exits. But until then, we do have to boost domestic energy production. But a real leader says what? He says, shut up. That's not what he's saying in this instance. The woke left wing of the party is more important to... What we believe to be the president than actually being able to afford filling up a tank of gas, no differently than baby formula. He's not, I mean, strong leadership isn't not being briefed. People fear for their political lives, for their professional lives. We're going to talk to Kaylee McEnady about a world where they're dealing with an existential crisis for young babies in this country independently of the president. Yo, the groundskeeper wasn't changing the pattern in the White House lawn without Trump getting involved. Like, do you understand? Because that's what a leader does. They're involved. They're giving direction. They don't read the room. They lead the room. Biden is a president who apparently isn't even allowed in the room. That's what we're dealing with. This is crazy. We're going to straighten it out, though. We're going to restore order. I know I sound nuts and worked up. It's just because I'm caffeinated. I don't get out a lot. What do you see me tomorrow night at Fat Cats with an actual drink in my hand? Oh, it's going to be a mess. Kaylee Mack and Annie when we come back.
6: Then and now. Ordering baby formula then.
8: Excuse me, could I get by? I'm just trying to get two cases of baby formula to throw in my cart. Of course. Let
9: me help you with that. How old's the baby? She's two months. Oh, that's so sweet. Here you go. Thank you. Have a nice day.
7: Ordering baby formula now.
9: Uh, excuse
8: me, could I get by? I'm, I'm just trying to get two cases of baby formula. Over my dead body? Those are my cases. Great. Hey, I saw them first. How old is that baby? Two months? Give it a bottle of milk. I've got your bottle right here. Ah!
3: Have a nice day. I'm telling you, you got to have a vicious left hook if you want to buy baby formula under this president. It's a mess out there, but we're going to clean it up right now with a fantastic guest who is normally, and I do mean this, you know, one of the classiest guests we book on the show. But today, she's a little bit of a wild card because the Tampa Bay Lightning lost last night. You might hear some profanity. Buckle up, kids. (laughs) We don't know where it's going to go. Kaylee McEnany is in studio. Hello.
9: Great to join you, Jimmy.
3: Is it true that you threw some profanity at Josh uh, over the Rangers when you walked into our studio earlier? I
9: am not profane, unlike Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. So, (laughs) no. (laughs)
3: That's, uh, that's That's a great reference. Well, it's great to see you. And I'm glad you're not Amber hurting our studio. Uh, it would be a, be a rough thing to recover yeah. from the beginning of an interview. Yep, it but, would be. But do you think your lightning will recover and get up off the mat?
9: I think so. Look, I mean, we'll see. The lightning never disappoint. Mm-hmm. They were at the White House, what? It was like a few months ago. Yeah, yeah, so were. I I think they'll be back.
3: Whoa! <laughs> Kaylee McEnany feels good about the lightning. Well, they're down 0-1. So listen, if anything can happen. If America can run out of baby formula, the lightning can come back from 0-1. This is what I wanted to ask you about. OK, we were playing these clips earlier where the president was saying, you know, he wasn't briefed on the baby formula thing until well into it. Is there any world where a President Trump, I mean, honestly, any president, but let's specifically say President Trump because you serve the country to President Trump. Is there any world where a crisis of this magnitude would be going on within the administration and him not be told about
9: it? No. And it raises so many questions. So the whistleblower came out last fall. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Last fall fall (laughs) you have the plant closure or at Mm -hmm. least pausing production in february Mm -hmm. uh and he learned about it in april okay why is the question why did he learn about it in april And, and president trump's white house he knew about what was going on yeah but did are they just so incompetent that no one thought it was that big of a problem? That's question number one. You know, Gensaki said that they've been working on it for months. So, you know, thou doth protest too much. Mm-hmm. Or do they just not think the president's relevant? One of his economic advisors, Brian yeah. Deese, was asked by Jake Tapper why didn't you tell the president? He said, Well, we told the relevant people. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yes, and I'm paraphrasing.
3: Think about <laughs> that though. The yes. guy's supposed to be the leader of the free world and he's on like the timeout step. You right. know when, like, you're moving and you have kids that are just in the way so you give them pretend jobs? I'd be like, Lincoln, can you go get the monsters out of the washing machine? And he's like, there's <laughs> monsters? And he runs away. That's our president. Yes. They're like, we-, we got a baby formula crisis. Joe, can you go get the monsters out of the washing machine?
9: That is a great analogy. I just am now learning about the fake tasks because my yeah. daughter's two and a half now so I can uh-huh. rationalize with her. So I'm like, go ask daddy. Go do this. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's funny
3: it's, because, like, yeah. looking back, I realized I was getting assigned those tasks. You know what I mean? Like, Jimmy, yes. you watch D. I heard there's an alien in the backyard, and I'm like, I am so on it. And that's <laughs> Biden. He's walking around the White House yard looking for E.T. right now. That's right. It, it's not good. And I don't doubt it. It would just be one more alien entering the country under Biden. Hey,
6: <laughs> Sorry.
3: Kaylee <laughs> that, well, that was low, Jimmy. That was low on this show. Yeah. That was actually pretty high. Uh, Kaylee McEnany is in studio against her better judgment. We're having a grown up talk. Uh, this is her first time in the studio since the toys crash landed on the desks. Um, now, these toys are from my childhood, okay? I am 44 years old, so I'm older than you. Do any of these – do you recognize any of these toys, or are they beyond you? Was there anybody in your orbit that had so, like, a Star Wars or anything like that?
9: I walked in. I have not been in here, as you noted, since you started the show, and I thought to myself, am I in a museum? <laughs> and, <laughs> no, because I was born in 1988. Oh, wow. So I'm a youngin. Yeah, yeah. Um, do any of them look familiar? I, I mean the football helmet.
3: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but that, other than that, that's, wow, well, that's He-Man. I didn't mean is, to age you. No, no, that's fine. I don't care. I gave you my age. It's cool. It actually does. It looks, it kind of looks like the inside of a van that promised you candy, you know, to like court you in, but it's, it's just the vibe of the studio. <laughs> but that is like the Star Wars Millennium Falcon. That is a GI Joe. Um, those are some wrestlers. That's He-Man. We keep having this debate about He-Man. That's a prescription drug called Bidenica. It's a sleep aid made out of Joe Biden press conferences. If you would I listen to it, I'll make Josh cue it up. Josh, do you want to play her by Denica? Tell me we can't get rich off of this. Let's play it for Kaylee. When you're ready, Josh, just give us the heads up. Tell me we won't make money on Shark Tank if we sell this. It's
0: coming. If you're having trouble sleeping, ask your doctor about by Denica. The sleep aid made from 100% Joe Biden press conference.
4: The best way to get something done, if you, if you holds near and dear to you that you... Uh, I'd um, like to be able to,
0: anyway. Bidenica has a patented blend of confusion and forgetfulness that will calm the most overactive brains. COVID has taken this year, just since the
4: outbreak, it's taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives. It's just, it's, I mean, you think about it. When
9: they sold out American jobs and killed the Keystone Pipeline, It kept me up all night worrying about how we pay our bills. But then I got Bidenica, and I've never slept better.
5: Sometimes when I get hopped up on sugar, my parents give me Bidenica so I pass out. Other times they give it to me during the day, probably so they can do the deed
0: gross. Warning, people who have used Bidenica have experienced rapid lying and an inability to secure the southern border. Others have hallucinated and fought breakfast
3: cereals. Corn pop was a bad dude. (laughs) Ask your doctor if Bidenica is right for you. So tell me, Kaylee McEnany, if we went on Shark Tank, could we not sell Bidenica?
9: I think you could.
3: Because you can't stay awake watching one of these. He doesn't do a lot of them anymore.
9: You saw that poll where, like, the number one issue is poor leadership. I think you got something there.
3: (laughs) (laughs) One of the sharks is on board. Hold (laughs) on a second. We're making money on this show. Nobody listens. We got one shark. We only need, what, one more to go and we make the money? I think that's her. I'll find
9: you one. And Lincoln is down the hall. Oh, few she's always on board.
3: But by yes. now, outnumber's over. She's half in the bag. She just goes along with anything we say. I kid. <laughs> Kaylee McEnany is in studio. Well, another thing I wanted to get your take on is we do have a new White House press secretary who succeeded Jen Psaki, who it's, she's doing this weird thing where she's not answering a lot of questions. Like she might think she is. But this is what I wanted to ask. Are you starting to see? It's not the same hostility you faced. It's just not. We all know that. I don't want to belabor the point. But they are at least demonstrating some intellectual curiosity now. Beyond just Peter Ducey and Jackie Heinrich, there's a, other rumbles now. Is there a moment where the media might actually subject them to the type of incoming fire you faced?
9: no there's not and i'll give you a great example of why mm-hmm. uh jen Saki i believe it was her last press conference mm-hmm. there was a reporter i forget which outlet but he started shouting over her as she yeah. spoke And the White House Correspondents Association, like the good old boys club, they all band together and they think they're so cool. They run to the press secretary's office, like demanding things. And, you know, there are the warriors. Well, they came out. They put out a statement uh, that it was unacceptable that she was interrupted. And should this occur, they would I I forget the penalty, like exile him from WACA. Okay, (laughs) where were you my entire tenure (laughs) when I was being yelled at by all of you issuing the statement as I was speaking?
3: (laughs) You were legitimately a White House press secretary, like the visiting team at a Philadelphia Phillies game, where it'd be like willing to throw beer at you, punch the mascot, anything. But yet yes. you're right They're, They were so protected. And there is this crazy double standard. But like what I'm trying to wonder is there comes a point for the press, right? where it actually doesn't benefit them to be shilling for a president that's so historically unpopular. So I'm trying to figure out, is there a day where they try to start at least distancing themselves from him? Maybe not, again, as hostile as what you faced from the Philly faithful that were punching police horses and stuff. But, but is there a, a world where they at least try to start separating themselves from the administration just so they can endorse whoever comes next with any credibility?
9: Yes. And you're starting to see that, you know, Jake Tapper asked some tough questions of that economic advisor. I noted to you, you're starting to see stories with leaks, you know, the Trump administration had leaks. All day, every day. It was terrible in that regard, the leaking at least. But you're finally starting to see the articles, like the NBC article that came out. Two dozen current and former administration officials speak on a condition of anonymity. Uh, The leaking means that people are trying to jump ship and the media is noticing it, but still covering, even in the NBC article, they're saying, oh, you know, he's been faced with historic challenges. They found a historian. What's Mm -hmm. next? Locust. I'm thinking to myself, the last president. Pretty sure he had some historic challenges. I don't know, a once-in-a-generation <laughs> pandemic?
3: <laughs> and, and, and what's so fascinating about that, too, is, like, the last president's the reason we have a vaccine. Mm-hmm. But I was going to ask you this. If Donald Trump's the president right now, I'm willing to bet, like, most of the Democrats in this country aren't vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Because they had so, uh, you know— trash this vaccine. They were treating it like he was making it with Barron for the school science fair. They're like, oh, he's making it himself. This is garbage. I mean, Biden and Kamala spent the whole campaign saying this isn't going to go through the right process and you know not, not the right scrutiny. So could you see a world where if this is a second Trump term, we have a unvaccinated population that leans to the left?
9: Absolutely if he was president now um mm. you you know yeah. Kamala Joe they mm. all had vaccine hesitancy which now That's is crazy. the greatest scourge you could ever have in society is to be someone <laughs> who questions the vaccine look I'm vaccinated but everyone has their personal choice mm-hmm. totally yeah. if president Trump were president you'd be questioning despite the fact that it is the CDC, you know, a separate entity that greenlights all this. And Uh it just goes to show the politics of it all.
3: It's so true. We're talking to the great Kayleigh McEnany in studio. It's one of the things that fascinates me, though, is even in an NBC article you referenced, they threw in that caveat of like Donald Trump was considered by historians, (laughs) one of the worst presidents in history. Like they had to get a dig in there so their readers knew they hadn't completely abandoned the mission. But I don't think you could make any comparison. Between Donald Trump and Joe Biden in terms of what's going on in this country like we didn't have a 40 year high in inflation we could afford gas the border wasn't wide open you know we had baby formula on the shelves like there's no world where Joe Biden is substantively in the same conversation with Donald Trump. But the rest of the world knows that if you look at the poll numbers. But do they not know it or are they just trying to, like, keep a straight face, hoping they'll turn it around? Like, how do you say that with a straight face, I guess, is my question.
9: Well, because to them, the tweets were everything. You know, President Trump, when he tweeted personal things, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that was everything to them. Uh That that made him the worst president, they said. Never mind there were not Donald Trump silhouettes stickers on gas pumps pointing to <laughs> the gas prices um I had a baby at the time uh-huh. I gave birth to that baby on the trump campaign and guess what you know I don't breastfeed so I could go buy formula <laughs> I mean that was the day and age of trump where uh-huh. the economy was roaring wages were going up outpacing there wasn't inflation to yeah. outpace they were actually just rising. Yeah. Undeniably, our country was better off. There's, but, but leave it to the media. It's all the tweets, the mean man tweeting. My gosh, I'd take some mean tweets. Give me a
8: whole <laughs> slew of them right
5: now.
3: Well, you're in luck because yeah. if uh, you don't block me, I'm kidding. If you unblock my account, they're coming your way. I kid. We're talking to Kaylee. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, I think it's so true. And I think what's so fascinating about the moment we're living in now is I actually think it's sadly, but things have gotten bad enough in the country. That people are looking beyond political grievance like the luxury we had under Trump is you actually could root for your party harder than your country because things were tangibly okay. We could afford goods. We had goods. Okay, we could afford gas. You know, we had gas. We're energy independent. Now that things have gotten bad enough for enough people like you are starting to see independence, I mean, have turned on Biden in a stunning fashion. Because they're living in a reality that's so different than the one that, you know, that he is ultimately selling them. And that's why I think in a roundabout way, like Trump leaving Twitter was really, don't you think, like the worst thing for Biden? Because we got into substance and the substance is bad.
9: Yeah, and he lost a foil. Biden needed a foil. He was a man in a basement who you could make whatever you wanted. You could make him Mr. Rogers. You could make him Johnny Depp if you wanted. You could make him whatever your heart desired. He just was not Trump, fill in the blank, make him whoever you want. And then he gets to office, and I think what's so frustrating is he acts as if everything has just happened to him. But yeah. COVID did happen to the country. That is mm-hmm. one thing that legitimately happened. No yeah. one caused it. Uh, it happened to the country. But you can't sit there if you're Biden. And in this NBC article, he talks about Obama. He used to go to Obama and say, man, I hate all these things. have landed on you one after the other, landed on your shoulders. And then I came in, and it was way worse. Acting like these things just happened to you yeah. is not helping anyone. That's so true. Um, and then making a, make it Seem go on his chief of staff's Twitter feed a few uh, like a month ago. There were like 18 tweets in one day about how great the economy was, and I'm like, no one feels that way. Biden thought that in the Wall Street Journal this week, talking about a third of it, how great the economy is. No one feels this way, <laughs> and it didn't happen to you. You made it happen.
3: Yeah, it's so true. If Biden was the captain of the Titanic, and he kind of is. But if yes. he was – the, they would blame the iceberg on climate change. There you go. And then they'd try selling you another cruise while you were rowing away in the lifeboat. Wasn't this fun? Yes. Like, no, no, it wasn't fun. It's actually very cold. Some of us didn't get a boat. But he's like, <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Okay, but we're talking about sh- sinking ships because I do have to talk Amber Heard with you for a second. Okay, Jillian Turner and I got into this on the Faulkner Focus before you guys probably covered it much better on Outnumbered. But stick with me. <laughs> This, there are people arguing that you know the Amber Heard verdict is ultimately going to discourage people from coming forward, but I don't actually think that's true. I think it's going to discourage people who are lying from coming forward because the message sent from that jury was not we don't want to hear from women. It was we clearly don't think she's telling the truth based on the amount of the punitive damage they levied because they don't normally do that. So to go as far as they did means they thought she went as far as we think she did. Um, so do you think this is actually bad for women going forward, or do you think it's actually a win for, like, due process? Where do you put this? I
9: think it's a loss for everyone. Okay. Um, first of all— Just meaning
3: the trial itself? I,
9: <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> I am not a fan of the trial. I'm not a fan of Johnny Depp. I'm not a fan of Amber Heard. And it's funny, everyone trying to put these people, to Charlie Hurt's point earlier, in boxes. Like, Amber Heard's not the head of the Me Too movement, nor should she— ever be given that she put out this op-ed not noting the fact that she's on audio saying that she's hitting Johnny Depp or punching him whatever you want to characterize that is and Johnny Depp people are putting him on the pedestal as like the picture of due process and the good guy who's vindicated. No, if you want that, go for Brett Kavanaugh. But like <laughs> Johnny Depp, he ain't it, and yeah. neither is Amber Heard. I'm just, all of them, like I thought the last time I was going to have to talk about this was outnumbered, but oh. now I'm with you, and then I looked at the Gutfeld rundown, and <laughs> maybe it's the last day.
3: <laughs> the grand finale, the going yes. out of business sale. You know they always have those in Times Square. Yeah. Maybe we'll finally have one story go out of business. Yes. Kaylee McEnany, business owner. Always booming when you're here. Thank you for this. Good luck with the lightning.
9: Thank you. I'm all with Gutfeld right. this evening. I need Oh,
3: it. it's, it's going down tonight. Make sure you there watch Gutfeld. Go. It's going to be a banger. Um, and you have to watch. I, I'm facing off against Abby Hornacek on Tucker tonight in the final exam. And she's going down. Like, I know I'm friendly with all the women in this building. But that's all on hold for five minutes tonight on television. This is a war. We're playing prison rules. I'll
9: be watching. I'm
3: competing on behalf of all the community college graduates who majored in <laughs> intro to Xbox. This would be a big win if we take down a UCLA gal. So I'll be ready to go. I'm rooting
9: for you, all even right. though I love Abby. (laughs)
3: No, she's a good act. All right, Kaylee McEnany, we're back after this. The
2: show that always has a giant smile on its face
5: all day long. I just want to make everybody happy.
2: This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
3: Inconsequential doesn't matter. Those are the words Kaylee McEnany used to describe Joe Biden, your president who has admitted himself he wasn't briefed on the baby formula shortage in this country. Yo, the president of the United States was given a pretend job. They distracted him while the adults were working on real stuff. Do you remember that montage I always play about the adults being back in the room, you know, when Biden took over?
1: Anybody who has any um, connection to reality about what is going on around them should have watched that and said, the adults are back in the room.
3: It, it seems as though we have a, uh, a professional adult once again in the White House who's just simply doing the work. Really, the, the
1: theme, I would say, is the adults are back. Still, it is a relief to have adults in charge.
6: Now we have adults in the White House. OK, the adults are back in the
1: room. <laughs> um,
3: there is a sense, I think, the world over that the adults have returned. We have an adult in the White House now, and it's glorious.
1: That
5: was absolutely dreadful.
3: Yes. So as it turns out, the adults are back in the room, but Joe Biden isn't considered one of them.
2: Live from everywhere, USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
3: It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon, fired up in this hour. A double booking. We don't do this a lot. A double booking. It's like the radio equivalent of the Triple Lindy. Remember back to school, Thornton Mellon, the Triple Lindy? Hey, I know you. You're tall and fat. Yeah, well, you're short and ugly. Give me back my pen. That whole thing. We're going to have Mark Wayne Mullen. He is, of course, a Oklahoma congressman running for Senate in the great state of Oklahoma. Uh, We will also be joined as well. By Jessica tarloff Democratic strategist. What the hell did you just say? No, we talk across the aisle on this show. I try to, I try, I go out of my way. We try to even book like Democratic lawmakers to come on the show and just like chat with us about issues. Will any of them do it? The answer would be no. I think a lot of them don't get. Like the whole point of this show is, we're not bringing anybody on to make them look bad. We just want to have good conversations. I mean, if you're a liberal in this day and age, I got to be honest with you, your policies. Make you look bad. You don't need my help. Tell it like it is. (laughs) It's not. It's not pretty. Okay. when people are yelling at you that, you know, men can have babies, I don't need to make you look bad. Okay. you're going to do it on your own saying stuff like that. You know, when you start telling us that, oh, we're going to, you know, with all this crazy inflation, what we need to do is spend more money. That's the problem. You know, think Biden was talking about earlier. Yeah, we got to increase taxes on the rich. Because that'll give everybody a hand up, you know, that'll help the poor people, that'll help the middle class if we just tax the rich. That is a fact-check false. Why is that a a fact-check false? Because deciding tomorrow, if we decided tomorrow, hey, if we decided today, what if we stepped on the gas? We decided today that we're going to jack up taxes on the rich. What will that do to affect the cost of goods that people are grappling with today? Nothing. What will it do to affect the cost of gas people are grappling with today? Nothing. Won't help the border. Won't help the baby formula situation. Saying you're going to tax the rich, yeah, it's culture war garbage, but it's a pie in the sky panacea when it comes to actually dealing with the issues we're facing in real time. Passing a law that won't actually go into effect till next tax season does nothing right now. I mean, think about it this way. If you decide right now, the rich are going to pay more in taxes, woo. okay? There's not a gas station that's like, oh, really, you're taxing the rich, oh, well, We'll forget the principles of supply and demand. We'll just lower the prices. You understand? There's not a cartel trying to cross the border that's like, oh, you're going to tax the rich? No, no, we won't come. That's not how this works. It's not how inflation works. That's not how any of it works. And that's the problem. So I'm always confident fighting the battle of ideas. And it's not even a fight. I just want to have real debates. The country was better when people talked to each other. Not when we acted like a bunch of fat screaming children. You don't vote the way I do. Mom, I want them canceled. That's not how the country is supposed to work, okay? And one of the problems we're having right now in the aftermath of this horrific tragedy, this horrific shooting in Evalde, Texas, okay, is everybody's fighting over gun control and they're blaming one side. You've got blood on your hands. You know, you guys are in the way. That's not how you have a substantive debate. That's not how you arrive at compromise. There's no incentive to compromise. If you go tell all of your, all of your voters— that the Republicans are a bunch of white supremacist murderers. How can you even justify compromising with them? Who the heck makes that deal? What do you mean you're doing business with white supremacist murderers? No differently than if the Republicans turn around and go, oh, the Democrats are a bunch of commies trying to destroy the country. Now, to be honest with you, a lot of them come off that way. But you still don't do that as an entree to conversation, as an entree to discourse. So where we are in this hour is there have been a couple of proposals, okay, from the left side of the aisle, on how to actually, you know, make, a, make progress. Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy wrote an op-ed on foxnews.com today. I'm going to pick up on some of those points and introduce it into our conversation with Jessica Tarloff. But I want you to understand the reason I'm going to have this conversation is because nobody else is. This is what the other side of the aisle is saying about guns, okay? Let's start with the view. Here's Whoopi Goldberg, who, again, not exactly valedictorian material. Whoopi Goldberg, who famously said she wanted Jill Biden to be the Surgeon General because she was such a good doctor.
5: Dr. Jill becomes a Surgeon General. His wife. yeah, Joe, Biden. Joe Biden's wife. Because, you know, she he would him? never do it. But, she, yeah, she's a hell of a doctor. She's an amazing doctor. She has I just doctor like and PhD.
1: She's a PhD. I could I don't be know. wrong. A I, she was, yeah, a, I think, she I, think she's, so. she's oh. a teacher, but... What would you do with the brain if you had one?
3: Think about that. Ah, Jill Biden should be the Surgeon General because she's a great doctor. Oh, actually, whoopee, she's not a doctor. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) think about that. These are people just making declarative statements with no regard for fact. These are stupid people. Okay, it has nothing to do with their gender or, you know, the race or anything like that. She just happens to be stupid. Here she is, flat out saying, it's easier to get a gun than it is to get a beer. Clip 24.
5: The issue is that there's an assault weapon out there that people can put their hands on. Yeah. They can put their hands on it easier than they can get a, a glass of beer in a bar. Kids can get an assault weapon. That's the issue.
3: It's is totally false. Really? Do you have to get a background check when you go to get a beer at a bar? Like, I'd be in favor of them for my producer. They're like, no, Mikey, we're not going to serve you another beer. Not after what you did down in Tampa. Sorry. I I would be in favor of background checks if it came to buying beer for certain people. But that's not actually true. That doesn't go on. Okay, but they just throw things out like this out there and people applaud. Woo, yeah, come on. But yo, this isn't this is why we're not making progress. People are speaking from a place of emotion instead of a place of fact. Everybody calling for the confiscation, the banning of guns. They don't even know anything about them. The president the other day was yapping about nine millimeters, and the White House had to clean up his statement because they were like, is he talking about banning nine millimeter handguns, the most popular handgun in the country? That's kind of a non starter. Okay, when it comes to self-defense and everything in between, but Biden didn't know what he was talking about. He's speaking from a place of emotion. I tell you this all the time, man. The reason I try to keep our show mellow is because you are a lot more intelligent, a lot more intelligent when you're calm. Because when you're calm, you're not being guided by emotion that can deny you the self-awareness that would otherwise tell you you're an idiot. Okay? Or you look like an idiot to people. Beto O'Rourke, since we're talking about idiots, let's give him some shine. He likes attention. Okay, remember that pandering jackass tried to interrupt a press conference last week where the actual parents who lost children were being briefed by the governor of Texas and he decided to grandstand and make a political point? Get him out of here.
5: Get him out.
3: That's what they said. But think about how disgusting that was. A moment that really did belong to grieving parents and their children, he tried to upstage for his own point. You guys aren't doing enough. It's your fault. Again, how are we going to have a productive conversation if your opener is, you're a murderer, it's your fault? Well, anyway, Beto's a dope. We know this. But understand, Beto, who when he was running for president, understand he ran for Senate and lost, spending more money than most presidential campaigns do. But he then ran for president. And he lost again. He got his his ass handed to him, was out of it pretty quickly. But at the time, he said what? I'm going to confiscate your AR-15s. And everybody at the debate clapped. Biden was right there on stage with him. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did happen. And he's, I'm going to confiscate your AR-15s. And then what happened is when he was running for governor of Texas, he updated his campaign website to say, I do think certain people in this country should have the right to AR-15s and certain types of guns, and we would never confiscate the guns. But he has since updated it again to say now nobody should have an AR-15 and went as far as saying it at a rally in San Angelo, Texas on Monday. Here it is, clip 22.
7: I just took the position that that may not be politically popular, may be too honest, that not only should
3: no one be able to purchase an AR-15 or an AK-47 because they're designed to kill humans and that high-impact, high-velocity round will just tear up everything inside. You'll bleed out before we can get you back to life. Um, But I don't think that the people who have them right now in civilian use should be able to keep them. So now he's back to wanting to take your guns again. Beto is like a political jukebox. Okay. He'll play whatever song you want him to, whatever's the popular hit of the day. Gun confiscation? Yes. Then gun confiscation was unpopular a few months ago? No. You can keep your AR 15s. Now he's back to confiscating guns again because it happens to be popular in the moment. He is a political prostitute. You know, a prostitute will get in whatever position you want them to if the money's right.
4: Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible. Well,
3: that's Beto. Whatever position you want him in on guns, he'll take if he thinks it's politically expedient. But one of the reasons we're not making progress is because of unprincipled people like him who are just, you know, this is embarrassing. I'm kind of just planning to make light of it. People like The View who have platforms, don't know what they're talking about, who keep slandering the other side. As opposed to offering constructive solutions. Really quick, I want to talk to Scott in Washington because he had a point that I wasn't even going to bring up. Yo, Scott. Yeah, my How's man. How you doing, Jimmy? Uh, everything's good. Uh, but I, I just want to jump in because my Mikey, our producer, in a rare moment of sobriety, uh, he sent me a note that you wanted to talk about Ron Johnson and the School Safety Act he introduced last year.
6: Yeah, yeah. He introduced it last year, and it was supposed to put together a clearinghouse. Um, For um, the FBI, you know, you Mm -hmm. name it, places, uh, organizations that are experts in protecting you, Mm -hmm. me, our children, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, And Chuck Schumer blocked it last year. And Ron Johnson brought it up uh, last week. I believe it was two days after um, the Evaldi shooting. Mm -hmm. And Chuck Schumer blocked it again. Now, you know, and, and I've heard some amazing uh, suggestions from um, from callers like myself. I've heard some pretty goofy ones too. But you know what? I, we're not experts. Yep. Get the information from the experts. They're able to put this information together, and then all the school districts hospitals, et cetera, et cetera, can put these things that, you know, experts are putting out there saying this worked for us. Try it out. Mm -hmm. Um, If it doesn't work for you, you know, try this.
3: You know what I think, Um, Scott, really quick. I I think uh, it's sad, but it's like police reform during the George Floyd summer. I think a lot of these people would rather run on issues than solve them. And that's why it's easier to just blame the other side and they don't care. But I just want to clarify one point because you're talking about experts. Are you telling me you don't want advice from The View? (laughs) no next question (laughs) oh scott i'm blown away uh well we'll have this conversation we'll have we'll have this conversation again this is a real you do make a really good point and it's it's something that i really want people to consider uh that's why we need to stop having food fights and we certainly need to stop watching the view if you could just do that for me uh you don't sound like an avid consumer but if you could just flat out declare on our air that you're done watching the view i think the audience would feel better about it so there you go back after this
2: The show that sees through the bull. My
3: response is
2: right,
0: you know, and the stripper really likes you.
2: This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
3: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Getting ready to catch up with a superstar Fox News contributor. Now, to be honest, I wanted to book her husband, but he was busy. (laughs) <laughs> My new best friend, uh, but his 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 fill-in is here. Uh, you know her as a cast member on the Five, a person with a high security clearance on the show. Jessica Tarloff in the house. Hey, girl.
8: Hey.
3: When last we met, we were yeah. ha- we were having a drink. Jenny Fallow was there. Lincoln Fallow was there. It was amazing. Your man was there.
8: Yep.
3: Uh, he's a delight, by the way. We we he's ag- so
8: much nicer than I am. It's
3: crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you standoffish monster. <laughs> totally. Uh, we were talking. Uh, we we exhausted as guys do. Like, mm-hmm. we went through, you know, we bonded over, it started with, like, movie references. Yeah. But, like, what, what I thought was going to be four hours of movie references quickly delved into some pretty dicey terrain. So I give him a lot of Is credit. Is this when
8: you guys were on a whiskey run? Yeah, we
3: went on a whiskey <laughs> run. Like, I knew him five minutes. We went on a whiskey run. Next thing you know, we're on a balcony with everybody else locked yeah. out, and we were getting after it. And, yeah. Uh, now he's, he's actually a home run. Like, as your friend, you know, there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than loving someone and meeting their boyfriend, girlfriend, or heaven forbid, spouse, and you know they're a dud, but right. you don't want to say that. So for me, selfishly, I was so happy that we don't have oh. you know years ahead of pretending we're excited to see Brian. Brian, I, right? Because I only <laughs> I keep knowing him as five B. Five
8: B, yeah, his I, apartment you, number. But
3: you've always re- referred to him as five B. Yeah, so, so. he's in
8: my phone as five B, and his whole family is also like my mother in law is Carol five B,
4: <laughs>
8: sister <laughs> Alisa five B, um. Yeah, he's he's a good pickup. And when you're at
4: my—
3: <laughs> He's a good pickup by the GM.
8: When you're at my advanced age, you know, I'm a 38-year-old woman. We met during COVID. And I'm like, hey, I emerged from the pandemic with a baby and a husband. They're like, did you do this because it was your last egg? And I was like, even if I had had, like, eight eggs left, I still <laughs> would have done it with Brian. Oh, no. So- <laughs>
3: Brian's an absolute keeper. and I, And I say that because everybody listening, I told you the whole goal of you coming on today, it's the same goal every day is we have to be able to conversationally cross-pollinate. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in the aftermath we had this horrific shooting and everybody's blaming yeah. everybody else. But I feel like we're never going to make progress if we don't just chill out. So maybe would you prescribe a night of movie references with me Brian with a built-in whiskey run for the whole country? Totally. Wouldn't it help?
8: It would- really would. And I think people are they are doing it and people are just not amplifying it enough cuz I think it's become a bit of a tired meme. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, meet my conservative friend. Or you see people doing these lame Twitter posts. Like, you know, it's the start of Gay Pride Month and like, even though this person's a total bigot, I still talk to them like (laughs) at the Dairy Queen or whatever. (laughs) And you're supposed to applaud it. And everyone is so tense to be who they are Mm -hmm. and to lead these normal lives because you can't really control for everything. I mean, even in the city now, which is obviously like uber democratic, Uh like there are Republicans walking around everywhere. There's certainly like Romney Republicans and there are
3: mom <laughs> jeans,
8: <laughs> mom jean, Mormon, rhino, dogs Republicans. chained to
3: the roof of the car. No, it's kidding, <laughs> it. you
8: know, and a, a lot more people. I mean, it was part of his secret sauce, right? Yeah. That like Trump had a lot of people backing him that didn't necessarily flaunt it, yeah, right? Um, yeah, so advertise all your weird, uh, mm-hmm. bipartisan goings ons.
3: It would be helpful. We're talking to Jessica Tarloff, being the change we want to see in the world. As we always do on this show, that's what we do. But I I feel like, yeah, we just got to say it's just—it's at a dumb place now, where it's devoid of nuance. You know what I mean? So it's like all the Republicans are guilty of murdering these school kids. That's obviously not true, but just (laughs) the same. I'm sorry, this wasn't
8: in the notes your producer (laughs) sent me that you were going to say. Get her
0: out. Get her
3: out of here. <laughs> it, usually, it usually takes a few minutes longer to play that drop, but here we are. We only have two minutes to go. I told you this was going to be a fast hang. It always goes <laughs> too fast, JT. Uh, but no, you know, it, it can't be as extreme as just arm the school teachers, you know, on the right. Republican side. School teachers didn't sign up for that. It also can't no. be, you know, take away your gun rights. I think there's a lot of nuance here, but I don't think we ever get into it. And my, I always say, like, I'm so concerned that politicians would rather run on this than solve it. Do you feel that way on some level?
8: I think everyone needs, my dad used to say that every politician needs to have a grievance. Yeah. Right. Like, and it can't ever have been uh-huh. your own fault.
3: It's like being a rapper. <laughs> you have to have a hater. You have, you have to have, have that to other have rival. Have a, yeah.
8: Uh-huh. Hateration, holleration. Um, <laughs> so I think that it is useful as a rallying cry. Mm-hmm. The problem is that kids are dead. Yeah. And that's really bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, it, has overshadowed, overshadowed, but that shooting in Buffalo at the top yeah. supermarket was horrendous also just really the bad. week before. And the truth of the matter is, is people, I mean, they vote on gun stuff. yeah. But like 90% of Americans are basically on the same page right about these background yeah. checks, and they still support different parties. yeah. And it's not something that really gets people. So there's
3: to- probably somewhere broad we could start is what you're saying. The only reason I'm Definitely. cutting you off is we're 20 seconds out, and I need just really quickly 20 oh. seconds. Who do we bet in the NBA Finals?
8: Oh, I hate the Celtics. So, <laughs> And I'm going Steph Curry. It's
3: going Steph Curry for the win.
8: Yvonne Looney for MVP. That's my pick.
3: Wow. Bold words from Jessica Trolloff. That's why we love her and her husband more. <laughs> Good stuff. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon a man who does not have a Senate primary coming up in the great state of Oklahoma four weeks from now. This next guest does, uh, and he joins us now to make sure he's in fighting shape. We're like his radio sparring partner, Uh, Representative Mark Wayne Mullen, back on the show. Hey, man. What's up, Jimmy? How you doing, brother? So are you getting taped up for this primary, packing the foil? What's the deal?
0: Man, my hands are already wrapped. I've got it packed nice and tight. My gloves aren't too tight, but they're tight enough to hold everything in place, and I'm ready to go swinging.
3: (laughs) Well, you're on the wrong show because none of us are going to make weight right now.
0: (laughs) I never miss weight. I competed for, uh, let me see, I've competed 16 years in wrestling, and uh, three years professionally fighting and uh, competed in jujitsu for years after that. And I, I've never missed weight. And I pulled a lot of it. Well, I've always made it.
3: Well, good for you. Uh, you know, it's a totally foreign concept. I've competed in a couple of pie eating contests and uh, <laughs> t- <laughs> did get a trophy. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets gout. You know, it's a mess.
0: Hey, listen, you got to get out there and compete.
3: That's the most important thing. <laughs> Bottom line, winning is everything. Well, listen, we've got faith in you. Uh, Mark Wayne Mullen, if you're just joining us, a superstar congressional representative running for Senate in the great state of Oklahoma. So let's just jump right in because there's so much going on. One of the things we discussed earlier, Kaylee McEnany was on. She works here at Fox with me. And uh, basically, I, I make these people come on as a way of like paying off their bar tabs when I go out for drinks with them. You know, they owe me. <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can guilt them. I'm like, come on, McEnany. What? about those two Pinot Noirs I bought you last Thursday? So one of the things we were talking about, I'm just starting at a national level, and we'll hone in on Oklahoma as we always do. But one of the things we were talking about is this baby formula shortage, uh, which obviously affects people all over the country. We're being told by the White House that Biden wasn't even getting briefed on it while they were working on the problem. Now, if that's true, that means we have a president who is not an essential worker like they're giving him an imaginary task. You know when you try to distract your kids so you tell them there's ghosts in the dryer and they have to go check the dryer while you do adult stuff? Are we living right. in that age with a president?
0: Let me do you know let me just use uh, some analogy here. Do you do you know when President uh, Bush got his briefings for the intelligence services for the day? When was this? Do you remember what time that was? It was, it was early at in the morning. 4:30. Yeah. Yeah, he got his at 4:30. You remember um uh, Biden or Obama he didn't do daily briefings. He read his briefings. Remember the big deal about that? And he mm-hmm. read it between eight and nine. It was all over the news. Yep. Uh, about when he received briefings, President Trump received his briefings at four thirty. And I tell you this because I sit on the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence too. Do you know when when Biden gets his briefings?
3: Oh no! When is this?
0: No one knows, and I'm not <laughs> I'm not making a joke. I'm yeah. dead serious by this. Oh. They don't they don't let us know because I don't think he's even getting briefed on the most serious issues. Of the uh, of of the day, I mean the daily briefings were some of the most important briefings uh, because we even received briefings uh, on the intelligence committee, and uh, no one knows when the president is getting his briefings if he's getting them at all. And so it doesn't surprise me that with the FDA um, and the and the fact that they weren't remember we talked about this on your show they weren't even they weren't even returning the CEO of Abbott. They weren't even returning their phone calls to say that they could come in and inspect the plant, even though the the the, the plant had been ready for inspection for, at that time for six weeks,
5: wow. It was
0: ready for it to be reinspected. We could have had this baby shortage formula thing already taken care of because Abbott controls seventy percent of the baby formula inside the United States. Which so it doesn't amazing. surprise me we have a we have a president that is ill prepared and ill equipped to to do his job. But what what did what do the Democrats think when they put a guy that's only been in politics for 40 years. He hasn't accomplished anything else in his life except be a a senator that constantly flips on his position.
3: That's a great point. We're talking to Representative Mark Wayne Mullen, who has a Senate primary coming up in Oklahoma in four weeks. One of the things that was fascinating about Biden's admission is, you know, you point to the fact that Abbott controls 70 percent of the baby formula. Biden admitted yesterday that even when he was briefed, he didn't uh, understand the impact at the time that would have meaning all right so they told me abbott was you know shut down i didn't realize it would be a big deal like in what world in what industry can you shut down 70 percent of the product and not know it's going to be a big deal you shouldn't have known that anyway
0: well that's why you need citizen legislators that's why you don't need career career politicians i tell people this all the time if you're ever going to change washington dc you better start changing the resume you send there Because if you send a typical politician, you're going to have the same results, which that's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing, expecting different results. You have a guy that has never lived really outside of of D.C. in his adult life, Mm -hmm. and and so he's disconnected from the rest of the world. Our citizen legislators are supposed to go out, serve, come back, and live in our communities, know what's happening. How in the world can a guy— that's supposed to be the president of the United States, not understand the impact that Abbott would have. Well, there's a failure. One, it's a failure on his part. Two, it's a failure of his staff. Well, who does? Mm. So that means he's a failure when it comes to even that. Because if you can't surround yourself with people that are better than you, that have a better understanding of those situations, and people that are willing to tell you the way that it is then that's a failure. If you that means he's got people hired around him that are west, that are yes people. That, that's all they want to do is they they're, they don't want to make him mad, so they're just going to say yes to whatever he has, and then they're going to go do their thing. That's a failure of a leadership too. That's you don't hire people based on that. But that's what that's what the Democrats chose to try to lead this country. And then, but are we surprised? I mean, look, who did he pick for vice president? Kamala Harris, yep. who couldn't even carry her own state in California. That should have told everybody what type of head. Of, of, of agencies, he was going to hire to get to to uh, to put in place. I mean, if he picked that bad of a vice president. You can't expect him to do any better, look what he did for hHS and uh, and Department of transportation
3: yeah it's no no it's it's bad man. I, I say this all the time like if he was if this was sports, you know when they have a general manager who drafts a bunch of bad players that don't pan out so they fire yeah. him like as a general right. manager, Biden would have been fired months ago. I mean when back when Pete booty judge was you know on on paternity leave while we had a supply chain bottleneck or you know maybe back when the yep. borders are wasn't going to the border. Like, Kamala won't even go to an on-the-border restaurant, you know, like the taco place. Yeah. It's, 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 just do that. Years. I mean, if you could even just go, go to Taco Bell, make a run for the border. Just give us that. Give us a, a yeah. pretend effort, you know, but we're not getting one. Yeah. But let me ask you this, because I, I bring up pretend efforts, because I, I feel like, okay, we've got this horrific school shooting we're all responding to. We're all parents. We do want to see this end. But I'm getting the feeling as I watch this that they want to run on this in the midterms more than they want to solve it now. Because there's been a really big investment of time on the left that, that's that gone towards blaming the right for these shootings as opposed to focusing in on the shooters themselves. And that doesn't speak to a, a, an immediate solution. That speaks to dragging this out long term, don't you think?
0: Oh, 100 percent. you got the president tonight that's going to do a primetime address the nation which is you know I, that's going to be entertaining <laughs> at seven thirty tonight talking about this mm-hmm. and and the democrats they think this is their winning ticket because it speaks to emotions yeah they it speaks like COVID. They, mm-hmm. they they win elections based on emotions and so they think that this is going to be their winning ticket and they're going to make it all about politics kind of like immigration yep. they haven't done one thing since they've been in control of the of of, of government because mm-hmm. they, they it's a one-party rule right now in washington dc they control everything uh, they haven't addressed the immigration at all. They haven't even brought up one bill. But remember, they all ran on immigration when Trump was in office. Mm-hmm. That was their big deal. They haven't addressed it now. This is gun control, and they're talking about it because they're talking about our kids. But let's talk about really what we could do. You know, last last year the Democrats spent 7.5 trillion dollars, Jamie. 7.5 trillion dollars. Break that down. How much money is that? Now that's above that's above our budget. But let me break this down and give you a figure of this. If Jesus, when Jesus Christ was born. If you spent $10 million every since he was born up till December 31st of 2021, that would only be $7.3 trillion. Wow, that's $10 insane. million dollars a day. Do the math. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. And so if they really wanted to address this issue, we could simply take – if you want to look at a federal fix, we could take federal dollars and secure every school in the nation. Mm-hmm. We could secure it and make it a hard target. Right now, these cowards, these mentally ill individuals – they get, they get a power trip on killing innocent people are going to the schools because they know they're soft targets, and it wouldn't take much to make them hard targets. You put a perimeter fence around it. You take all the outside door handles off and only make exits as, as emergency panics. You put bulletproof windows around the schools, and you make an entry point that has a soft door to enter, and then it locks in. And it has a, a locking door where it has to be buzzed in with bulletproof glass around it where they had to be buzzed in with only one entry point. It's not hard to make them a hard target, and it would eliminate almost every one of them. Now that doesn't eliminate all of the shootings that take place. It's not going to uh, it's not going to eliminate the 50 people that were killed in Chicago, but mm-hmm. it's going to keep our kids safe at school. That's immediate fix, yeah. Gun control isn't going to solve this problem. This isn't going to fix it overnight.
3: Yeah. No, it's a great it's a great point. And and again, the the argument a lot of people have with gun control is you're taking rights away from the law abiding citizens, and they're the ones who ultimately suffer. You know, the criminals don't respect the law, so it's not like it's you know going to hold them in check. But the thing that jumped out at me is that that we've spent that kind of money. And and, and when you talk about sending forty billion dollars to Ukraine, it's like hey, we're all for Ukraine, but it does feel like we're being derelict in our obligation to the American people when we're sending that much money overseas with this many people suffering over here, no?
0: Well, the Ukrainian bill, there's a lot of misnomes on that one. But Mm -hmm. one thing, not a dollar actually went to Ukraine. A lot of people don't realize that. Most of that money was spent to replace our our munition. The reason this, in fact, bill, this exact bill was inside the NDAA, and Mm -hmm. the Democrats stripped it out. The reason why it had that name to begin with was because uh, Pelosi couldn't get her Democrats to support it in the NDAA, and that's the only way she could bring it to the fore with the nas- with the uh, her socialist Democrat. So there's a lot of stuff we could talk about. That one going back to where where we are, they are spending money like it's well, it is printed, but mm-hmm. they're spending money because they think that's the way they're going to buy themselves, to the, yeah. buy themselves the, the opportunity because they're going to pay pay for people's votes. Yeah, uh, when they're ignoring all the other crises going out there. Once again, it, it's failure.
3: It's nuts. I lost you. The
0: Republic or the Democrat Party.
3: You know, right it's, you're right. You're 100 yes. percent right. And,
0: and, and you, you, have, you have Speaker Pelosi, who's been in office for how many years and has become a multimillionaire because of it. Mm-hmm. You have Pelosi and you have Chuck Schumer. All of them have been in office almost since I've been born. And I'm 44 years old.
3: Yeah, You know, it's crazy. You would think with all the money Pelosi has made with the stock market and everything in between, she could afford to get a, a ride home for her husband. <laughs> you think she could chip <laughs> the, in for an uber for old think, paul pelosi that's all i'm saying
0: but, but you think he's old enough now he would know better
3: yeah i mean you'd like to think you'd like to think okay yeah. but uh listen man we're four weeks away from a primary you got to stay in fight and shape come back on the show soon so we can keep the people informed you know what i'm saying
0: absolutely we it, listen if people want to join our fight join our fight we're fighting for america and that's why we have mullin for america this is about taking a socialist out of Washington, D.C., and restoring the right of order that we're a republic, we're a democracy, it's for the people, by the people. So we'd love to have your assistance. And any way people can help, Mullen for America.
3: Let's go. All right, you keep making wait, my man. Get off the phone before we bring you down. All right. We'll see you, brother. All right. Be well. There he goes, Mark Wayne Mullen. It's Republican Senate primary, four weeks from today in the great state of Oklahoma. Okay, if you're listening down in Tulsa on KRMG. Okay, you're listening on 96.9, the Eagle. Oklahoma City, okay, understand, I I bring people on, you know, I talk to lawmakers here and there, I talk to Jim Jordan, why? Because he's actually, you know, the congressman from my wife Jenny's hometown in Wapakoneta, Ohio. I get on great with him and, you know, he's got a big media presence and I like talking to him. But everybody I bring on the show serves a purpose. You notice we don't book a ton of lawmakers, you know, here and there you'll hear from people. Uh, But for the most part, I'm just trying to book real Americans. What I find fascinating about Mark Wayne Mullen is a guy who has six kids. OK. And he grew up uh, in Oklahoma. He went to Stillwell High School. And, uh, you know, so he is a Tulsa guy. He was born in Tulsa, you know, and he is a dude when I talk to him off the air. And this is what really predicates who gets on this show and who doesn't. As you'd imagine, a few million people listening were on Fox News. Every lawmaker in America is trying to get on this show. We have a very weird guest list because it's people that I've run into off the air that I can tell are legit people meaning I'm not going to be embarrassed for having had them on down the road because they pass my test. You know, I'm a guy who drove a cab for a long time. I am a really, really good judge of character so good that I know how viable that superpower is, that's why I don't lie to you people about what a mess I am. (laughs) Okay? Because if you're a good judge of character, there's no way I can fool you into thinking I'm some type of upstanding guy who's got his life together. So I'm just honest with you about how flawed I am. Fat, drunk, and
2: stupid is no way to go through life.
3: I disagree, Dean Wormer. Fat, drunk, and stupid has gotten me a long way, and we will keep going after this.
2: You're listening to the best dad on the radio.
5: Can't believe you forgot my birthday.
2: You're with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America.
3: The stampede of stupidity continuing across town on The View. I'm going to play you one more clip from The View really quickly.
5: No, God, please,
2: no, no, no.
3: We got to do it. Uh, Here is Tara Setmeyer. Uh, She is on The View. They're all auditioning to fill the old Meghan McCain chair. And they're just saying one dumb thing after another, trying to win over the idiots watching this. The idiots applauding it. Well, I mean, they're only applauding it because the warm-up comic is poking them with a cattle prod to make sure they give big reactions to the stupid things they say. But here she is blaming everything. Christian nationalism, God, Trump. Watch this. This is embarrassing. Clip 23.
1: It's part of the Christian nationalism, this rise in violent Christian nationalism that we have seen, which is also disturbing, because they find it to be, they use biblical principles. They pervert them to justify this, which is another problem, particularly in Texas. This is a growing movement. It's God, guns, and Trump, or God, guns, or whatever. It's It's part of their ethos.
3: The view is awful. (laughs) It's God's guns and Trump. Not even close. You see how she worked Trump in there? Trump has nothing to do with this. This is a kid who slipped through the cracks. Who's a lunatic who is driving around with a bag of dead cats. That's a real thing. Set off all the warning signs. Had nothing to do with God. Had nothing to do with Trump. Okay, but here they are again. Trying to blame somebody besides the shooter. I make this point because I just I want you to understand if there was a lesson from today's show, if you listen to my whole show today, I mean, the lesson was anybody can host a nationally syndicated talk show. Obviously, I'm not bringing a lot of intellectual know-how to this dance. But the point is we're not going to make progress on anything in this country if the first instinct is to blame people besides those that are responsible. Meaning if there's a shooting and your first response to blame the NRA or God or Trump or white Christian nationalism, that's the word salad they're throwing out there. But why are they throwing it out there? Because they don't want to solve the problem. They want to win. They want you to like their party more than you like the other one. But that doesn't actually solve the problem. This is a pretend pageant we're competing in, and it gets uglier and uglier by the second. So I say it every day, but today more than error. Yes, you need to watch me on Tucker tonight, but you need to go wherever you go, be a Republican, be a Democrat, be an independent. Just don't be a